If you're like me, and I'm sure you are, this last week just seemed to be consumed with what was happening with Hurricane Harvey. And I watched, you know, so much of the news, and you did too, and you can, you, we followed it together all the way along from the time that the winds, you know, first swept into to, to Rockport and the, and the waves and the surge came up as it moved up into Victoria and then as it moved up the coast, Houston and Beaumont and Port Arthur and up through Louisiana and Lake Charles and up into the, you know, up into the Mississippi Valley there and you watch that thing move up and as we all watched it move up, we just watched the disaster unfold. And you've seen the numbers and I've seen them and they're staggering and these numbers, I'm going to quote, are about two days old. But in Harris County alone, 156,000 homes flooded in Harris County alone. That's more than the population of Richardson, and that's just in one county. And there are hundreds of counties in Texas and in Louisiana and going up. I mean, it's, it is staggering to think about. It's staggering. And there are 42,000 families in shelters. That is also a staggering staggering number and and you know just your heart breaks when you hear numbers like that and 42 confirmed dead and again it is it is just mind-boggling and i know you know we've all gone on that journey and i know that it, and there's not just numbers because i know as i look through the congregation their families and their friends and there are families and there are friends. And what's happened this week is you've been like me. I'm sure you've been calling, you've been texting, you've been, you know, praying. There are people that are on your heart and in your mind, and, and you are, you know, you're there with them. Always wanting to know how they're doing, always wanting the update, always saying, hey, you know, it's, you know let me know. I need to know. And that's the way this week has been. And you see in the midst of all of that, just immense, immense struggle. But we also see in the midst of the struggle, and this is where I want to kind of move this morning, in the midst of the struggle, there's also a strength. In the midst of the struggle, this is a picture from the Dallas Morning News on Tuesday morning, and what you begin to see is in this picture that, you know, there in Houston, we had our own Dunkirk, you know? I mean, there in Houston, what you see is neighbors rising up to be with neighbors, neighbors coming alongside to help neighbors, neighbors kind of being there in a way that as people are struggling, they are there to be their strength. And you see this, even as the winds and the waters rise up, you see generosity rising up, and you see courage rising up, and you see care rising up. And that's what you see rising up. And so as the struggle comes along, the strength comes along, and that's what durability is about. It's about strength in the midst of struggle. Duras comes from the Latin word strong, hard, tough. And when we look at what's happening in that picture and we think about what's happening in this last week, we think about that kind of strength, strength for that struggle. But, but indeed, friends, as we talked this morning, I want to talk about strength for every struggle. Because you see, there is a strength for every struggle. That's what durability is about. We come and we ask ourselves the question, in the midst of this struggle that I face in my life, in the midst of every struggle I face in my life, where is the strength? And we read the words of the scripture. My strength is made perfect 
in your weakness so that the apostle can say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Durability. Usually when we think about struggles, what we think about is that struggles expose our vulnerabilities, that struggles expose our weaknesses, and that's the charge that was being brought against the Apostle Paul as you read through the scripture this morning. I mean, when you read it and you back up a couple of chapters, he was being accused of being weak. And the, the accusation actually centered in on, on his physical presence and his ability to speak, which is kind of mind-boggling. It said, you know what, Paul, when you write your letters, they are mighty. You are mighty of the pen. When you show up in person, you are less than impressive. And in fact, it, it, you know, when he kind of went down and you look in chapter 10, it says when he showed up, you know, that his, his physical presence was, was not, not imposing at all, pretty, pretty low, and it said his speech was contemptible. That's the word that's used. I'm thinking, ah, it's hard to believe, but, but that's what's being said. So the charge is that he's weak. And so what he starts to do is he starts to roll out his resume. He says, you know, hey, I'm a Hebrew. Hey, I am a... a uh, son of Abraham. I am an Israelite. It's his pedigree. It's like me standing up here and I said, the reason that I deserve to be your preacher, I'm a lifelong Methodist. I come from a family of lifelong Methodists. I'm a graduate of Perkins School of Theology. You know, you roll out the pedigree. But he, you know, that's only part of what he does. And he goes on from there. He says, you know what? I'm going to start talking like a crazy man. I'm going to start talking like a madman. That's the, that's the word in the scripture. He's crazy like a fox, you know. Because here's what he begins to do. He says, you know, here's the deal. Weakness and struggles. He says, I know weakness. I know struggles. He says, I was taken with lashes, you know, five times. I was with, you know, 39 minus one. Five times lashes. Three times beatings. One time stoning. Three times shipwrecks. He says, whenever I get out on the road, there's danger. On the sea, there's danger. You know, on the highway, there's danger. There's danger from bandits. There's, uh, the thing that Chris read, danger, danger, danger. You know, I mean, every word was danger. He says, you know, I know what it means to be cold. I know what it means to be hungry. I know what it means to be alone. He says, I know weakness. He says, who is weak if I am not weak? He says, I know what that means. And so he tracks us all the way into that weakness and into the struggle. And when he gets to the end of his rope, and when he gets to the bottom of the crucible, when he's right down there at the bottom, he says, right down there at the end of my rope, I received this revelation. This revelation at the end of the rope. At the end of the rope, Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient. For you, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And so then the apostle Paul responds back. He says, so I embrace my weaknesses. I embrace my struggles. He uses the term bows. He says, I embrace them. Because you know what? When I embrace them, what I experience is the power of Christ. When I am weak, then I am strong. That is durability. There's a couple of insights on durability I want to lift up as we look at it that come out of the text this morning. And the first one is this. Durability 
describes problems and defines struggles in, in kind of a different way. It, it doesn't minimize problems and it doesn't minimize struggles and it doesn't overlook them and it doesn't kind of, kind of shove them under the rug. But, but what it does do is say, yes, they are realities in all of our lives. We all have struggles, we all have problems, but they're not the end. Because what happens when you read through Paul, he says, what problems become, he says, my problems become a platform. And he says, my struggles become a showcase. He says, my problems become a platform for the power of God. God has said, my power is made perfect, complete, whole. In your weakness, my problems have become a platform for the power of God, and my struggles have become a showcase for the sufficiency of grace. And that's how he begins to look at what's out ahead in his life. That's how he begins to define those things that he struggles with. And I tell you, one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is the ability to assign, assign meaning and to assign significance to the moments of our lives. It's one of the greatest gifts God gives. And he looks at what, Paul looks at what's out ahead. He says, you know what? Not to minimize them at all, but to know that even as I am weak in there, I also know God is strong. And in that strength, I can redefine, I can redescribe what's there that's out ahead of me. So those things that are giants that seem to always defeat me, you know, God's there working. Those things that are roadblocks that seem to, to always stop me in the progress I need to make. You know what? God is there working. And so what he's doing there, he says, the first thing, durability. It begins to redefine, redescribe what we face in our lives, when we face our struggles, when we face our weaknesses. What durability does is it deepens our dependency on God. The scripture is really clear. The strength is not ours. What happens in the text this morning, he says, my grace is sufficient because it is God's power. Jesus says, it is my power, the Lord's power, that's made perfect, that made complete in our weakness. So the strength comes from outside ourselves. It comes from beyond ourselves. It's like, you know, I, I don't know if you remember that TV show that was on a while back. You know, anybody want to be a millionaire? And you may remember that show, and there was a line in that show, and what happened was when, when the people would reach the end of what they knew about and the end of their resources, they would say, hey, do you want a lifeline? You remember that line? You want a lifeline? Want to ask for a lifeline? But yeah, I need a lifeline. We need a lifeline. And Lisa, thank you for lifting up prayer because that is the lifeline. The power of prayer, the power of prayer is found in the way it deepens the dependency on God in our lives. That's what prayer does. It deepens dependency. And so what we do is as we pray, we pray, just, you know, the psalmist, you can read through the psalms, you can see how it works, where he says, out of the depths I cry to you, and as he, as he cries out of those depths, you read along, and he discover that he finds God as, a, as his deliverer. And you read another psalm, Psalm 27, where it says, a war rises against me, and my enemies are surrounding all about me. He says, but the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear, the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And he says, I don't need to be afraid. I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What happens when you pray, when we pray, it deepens our dependency on the way that God's strength is present in our lives. That is durability. 
And what happens is God pours God's spirit into our hearts and lives to be our strength. Romans 5 really highlights it. It's beautiful. If you bring it up at this point, um, that particular verse on the scripture, I want to kind of drop to the very bottom there. It says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. That's what happens in prayer. That's what happens in dependency. God pours the spirit into our lives, and then it begins to produce things. And when you go up to the top, it says sufferings, the struggles, the weaknesses produce endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. See, this is pouring in, and there's this producing from within. And when you look at that sequence, you see the sequence, I mean, it does work because the suffering, the struggle, what it does is it produces a stamina. You know, where people say, you know what, I don't know how I can take another step forward, but you know what, there is a strength there that's from beyond ourselves. Where we can continue forward, where we can continue to take steps, where we continue to move ahead. And what happens when people do that as they walk that road, what it does is it produces a character in people. You can tell people who have gone through struggles and have gone through sufferings because what happens is it deepens us as people. It builds an empathy. It builds in compassion. It takes us to places where unless we've walked that road, you, you don't, you know, that's, that's how it happens. And he says, that's what it's producing in me is that character. He says, that character produces hope. And what hope knows is that everything is going to be okay. What hope knows is that the struggle is not the end. What hope knows is that we will make it through. You will make it through. The spirit is poured out. It produces that strength within, that durability within. And then the apostle ends up, says, hope does not disappoint us. This is the fourth last point I want to make in relation to durability. What durability is to put hope on display. Because see what happens in the midst of your struggle when you begin to find strength. And that becomes your story, and you begin to share and tell that story. What that does is that brings hope. It brings hope to you. It brings hope to the people around you. Durability puts hope on display. And we have read, you have read, I have read, and we're going to see more stories about hope in the days that are out ahead. And one of them in the paper this week was about the Dill family, and you may have read about that particular family. They are down in Kingswood. They thought that after the hurricane went through, you know, they thought oh, they had dodged that bullet had passed them by, and then Lake Conroe, you know, they released water from Lake Conroe, came back and flooded their home in Kingswood. So on Monday night, what they found is after the hurricane come back, you know, that, that water, uh, that released water, it rose up in their house. And as it rose up in their house, that's not the only struggle they faced as a family. Because earlier, about 18 months earlier, he was a geologist down in Houston, been downturn in the oil economy, lost his job. She had been diagnosed with breast cancer and it had a mastectomy. And on the way out the door, when they were kind of trying to get everything together, with, you know, out the door, he slipped and fell and broke his hand. It's kind of like an insult to injury, you know. I mean, you look at the whole thing, and you look at the struggle, and you say, oh, my gosh, you're just so heavy. You know, but in the midst of all of that, they left on Monday night. They come back on Wednesday morning. When they came back on Wednesday morning, you know what? Their neighbors, all their neighbors around them had gathered together, 
They'd ripped out the carpet, they'd start to Clorox the floors, they'd cut out the sheetrock, they'd move the furniture, they laundered the clothes, you know, they're laundering the clothes, they were gathering together food. I mean, what was happening there is strength in the midst of struggle. Their ability puts hope on display. That's the story. And that is the story. That is the story. Because you see, the reason you and I know that's the story is because it's the story of Jesus. Because Jesus, when he went to the cross, is a struggle. It's a struggle with sin, and it was a struggle with death in its most ultimate form, any form, every form. It was a struggle, and it took him even unto death. But you and I know that it's not the end of the story. We know that God, God came along and God lifted Christ up. Resurrection. In the struggle, there was strength that lifted him up, that rolled away the stone, that he moves out into the world, and he moves out into the world to be among the people and by his spirit to be among us as his people. So that when we begin to tell the stories of our lives, you tell the story of your life, and I tell the story of my life, the story goes like this. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And so we can say, and so when we are weak, when we struggle, we can embrace it, we can own it, because Christ's strength is in me, is in you. For when we are weak, then he is strong. That's the story. My friends, I invite us to embrace that sufficiency of grace that's ours in Jesus Christ, our Lord.